Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 84 of the Headspace and Timing podcast brought to you by the Change Your POV podcast network. Before I introduce this week's guest, I have to apologize about a couple things. First, my voice right now, dealing with a sinus infection that won't seem to go away. Second, I want to apologize for the audio. The audio in this episode is a little different on my side. If you've been listening regularly, you know that we took a bit of a break a few weeks back. As I was finishing some work a couple weeks ago, I took one last drink of my coffee and the handle broke and dropped coffee all over my laptop. So we're operating on a new system and it's taken me a bit to get the settings back to the way they were. Guess it happens to the best of us. Don't let that deter you from listening to a great conversation. Today's guest is Dr. Bradley Carlin talking about a new website developed in partnership with the Department of Veterans Affairs, TreatmentWorksForVets.org. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about federal mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veterans, service members, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast. Once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn more about veteran mental health. Uh, you know that we're trying to get the conversation into the hands and the, the ears and the minds of the people that need it. And I'm really excited to bring uh, today's guest on to, to talk about a different way of communicating and, and really changing the way that we talk about veteran mental health. Uh, and, and really, the, uh, the resource we're going to talk about today is a website, treatmentworksforvets.org. Uh, and that actually is the web address, so it's going to be in the show notes, and we're going to be talking about it a lot. But one of the things that they, they say here on the website, and I'm going to kind of put this out here, is uh, many veterans who receive proven talk therapies, like cognitive behavioral therapy, show real improvements, yet many veterans do not know they exist. TreatmentWorksForVets.org is created as a public resource to spread the word so that more vets know their options and ask for these treatments. And so longtime listeners know that that's what I'm all about, is trying to help what we know as clinical mental health professionals get into the hands uh, of, of those that need it. And my guest today is, uh, is one that has definitely been doing that. Uh, so my guest today is uh, Brad Carlin. Brad, welcome to the show. Delighted to be with you. Thank you, Dwayne. You know, it's certainly, I'm, I'm really... Uh, appreciative of being connected with you and, and as I'd mentioned before we started recording that uh, going through the website here has been uh, uh, it's really great for me both from a veteran perspective uh, and then from a provider perspective everything is, is spot on but before we get into that I'd like to give you an opportunity to tell the audience a little bit about yourself sort of your background and how you got to working on the website sure thank you Duane um, so I entered the mental health care field um, out of a strong desire to improve mental health care access and delivery. And it was very startling to me before I entered the field how high the rates of unmet mental health need are. And, and I'm talking about here non-veterans as well as veterans. There are so many people 
who go day in and day out really trying to work their way through a myriad of challenges and unfortunately don't always get the help that could truly help them uh, to be able to, to do that. And so I decided that I wanted to enter the field of mental health care to try to move the needle and in, improve how we provide mental health care to individuals. And after completing my uh, clinical and research training as a clinical psychologist and then entering the field, uh, I learned that the problem with mental health access and unmet need exists on uh, two fronts. Um, barriers to treatment on the front end um, are things like negative perceptions or stigma about mental illness and treatment that keep many folks from seeking care. Um, but in addition to that are the fact that there are many treatments that have been shown to be highly effective, including in randomized controlled trials, but unfortunately don't make their way into routine clinical settings. And that is an area that I focused on for much of the last uh, 10 or so years um, in, in my career, uh, trying to get proven treatments into the clinical front lines. And I previously worked as the National Mental Health Director for Psychotherapy and Psychogeriatrics for the VA healthcare system, where we embarked on uh, leading the nation's largest implementation of 16 evidence-based psychological treatments with an incredible team throughout the country that has shown that these treatments are often very effective um, with veterans who receive them. But unfortunately, there are many veterans, as you noted, Dwayne, that um, are not aware that these treatments exist. And so even if we have these treatments in the uh, clinical settings where veterans may receive care, um, unfortunately, there are many veterans who can benefit from them who do not ever access these treatments. And so that's really what's been the focus of my work over the last several years, in which I'm delighted to talk a little bit more about today. And I currently work for an organization called the Education Development Center, or EDC, which is a global nonprofit uh, health and education organization that works to transform lives through improved health and, uh, and education. And my work is focused on working with uh, public and private healthcare systems to improve the delivery of evidence-based treatments for a variety of mental health conditions. Now that's uh, it's really great to hear the the fact that uh, identifying those two different barriers. Uh, you know, I rec recognize it as a uh, practicing clinician on the, the the client side or on the veteran side or, or just the individual side. There is a hesitation or even a lack of awareness and understanding of whether these exist. Uh, but also on the provider side of um, you know, not using the evidence-based practices or not using them properly or not even being aware um, of, of maybe how they apply to veterans. So we actually had uh, Dr. Carmen McLean on the show back in episode 82 a couple weeks ago talking about uh, prolonged exposure. Uh, and one of the concerns there is that although pro prolonged exposure is one of the evidence-based treatments specifically for PTSD, uh, even those clinicians who are trained in it don't always apply it um, when they get back to their clinical settings. Uh, and so it, it really does look like um, treatmentworksforvets.org um, is, uh, is, is one that tries to bridge that gap, right? Yes, it's, it's quite remarkable, actually. The field of mental health care is rather unique or exceptional in that we have what are often first-line treatments recommended at the highest level, so considered grade A treatments in clinical practice guidelines that are routinely not offered or provided to veterans or non-veterans for that matter, and one of those treatments is prolonged exposure for PTSD. But if you were, say, an individual with diabetes and you walked into your physician's office, you would most assuredly be offered the first-line evidence-based treatment for that condition, which would be insulin, and you can pick another um, medical uh, uh, corollary, and um, you would pretty much find the same thing where the first-line treatment, the highly recommended treatment for that condition is offered. But unfortunately, mental health is very exceptional, and so that's typically not the case. And that's because of a number of barriers that have limited the delivery of these treatments. And um, 
and one of those is training, but even beyond training, as you noted, folks who might be trained to a level of competency to deliver these treatments often are not able to do so, um, and that's really what my work focuses on in preparing systems to be able to better deliver these treatments. So um, we have a, our work cut out for us in this regard. I think this means, though, that while we also we have challenges, we also have significant opportunities. We have treatments that can really make a difference. It's incumbent upon us, though, to make sure that these treatments find their way to um, the places where our nation's heroes get care and also to be able to empower veterans to seek out these treatments. No, and I really appreciate that, the idea of, you know, say a veteran goes through uh, treatment works for vets and, and uh, sees something, and, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the awareness tools that you have a little later, uh, but then they could potentially go into their clinician and say, hey, you know, it, this, you know, I just, I ran across this website and this is what I'm dealing with, you know, can we start working on this? And so it's, it's really empowering the veteran to, to really be involved in their own care rather than just sort of sit back and be therapeutized. That's exactly right. We are firm believers that veterans should be an important part of the care that they receive, even before the actual treatment itself begins. And there are resources that we'll be talking about, I'm sure, around how to engage veterans, even in a pre-treatment context, if you will, because we believe an empowered veteran, empowered client will be much more engaged than some research suggests actually have greater outcomes than those um, that aren't necessarily as empowered from the get-go. And so that was very much the approach behind the development of treatmentworksforvets.org. And also we were um, feeling that it was critical to have veteran input into the design and development of the website throughout, given the fact that we believe veteran empowerment and veteran-centeredness is so important. And so we had the opportunity, fortunately, to, to receive that input from veterans at different stages of the process. And so I'm hopeful that moving forward, veterans increasingly will be engaged and empowered in those ways. You know, and, and you did mention uh, just now, but also before we started uh, recording, that uh, you did get veteran input on this site. And uh, I have to tell you, and, and uh, you mentioned it a little bit, but uh, even though the VA uh, was involved in the development of this and provides the support for this, this isn't my father's VA website, right? This is uh, this is something that is different. Um, it, it's not even underneath the the VA uh, .gov umbrella, uh, but it is uh, it looks visually different. And you said a lot of that has to do not just with the clinician input, but also the veteran input. Absolutely. And as an example, we learned pretty early on, it's certainly been my clinical experience, that the last thing veterans want is a lot of information, text-heavy websites and pages to comb through, um, but, but rather interested in, in more of an online immersive experience. And, and that was the approach behind Treatment Works for Vets and is embodied within the website. So um, veterans, family members, others who visit the website have an opportunity not to comb through lots of dense information, but rather to engage in an online experience. There's uh, a fair amount of animation, uh, graphics-rich approach to conveying important concepts and principles with uh, limited text, quite frankly, to allow veterans to be more engaged and interested um, and hopefully immerse themselves in the online experience of the website. There are some really neat animated videos that, um, that folks will see when they visit the website depicting characters, depicting veterans with various kinds of mental health conditions such as depression, insomnia, or substance use problems, and what that experience was like for them, how they may have learned about proven treatments, and then if they um, in many cases, may have chosen to seek out those treatments, maybe after being initially reluctant to do so, what it looked like behind the therapy room door, demystifying that process and be able to see how that character was able to progress through the treatment process. And so um, we're hopeful that folks will have an opportunity to check out the website and experience this as different than, as you say, a, a, a typical um, government-type website that might be more about conveying lots of uh, information as opposed to presenting more of an experience. No, absolutely. And this idea of being able to communicate to uh, to veterans or even 
um, you know, those that support veterans in a way that is appealing to them. I mean, this is uh, the gong that I've been banging for 85 episodes now, uh, is that we do need to get out of we, me, the clinical mental health counselor, you, the, um, the, the doctor, we have a PR problem in our profession because we have this idea that our we know that what we do works and we just expect that uh, individuals are going to come in and, and you know, benefit from what we have to give them. And it, and it doesn't work that way anymore, if it ever did work that way. Uh, and so being able to, you know, provide this in a certain way, um, because, uh, you know, veterans are just, you know, globally, all of us are used to now accessing information digitally uh, and, and not even, you know, not even the radio anymore. You know, of course, the, the radio people say, you know, that's going away. But one of the one of the things that I often say, and, and it was striking to me, the National Academies of Sciences had this um, the study that was out at the beginning of the year said that greater than 50 percent of post 9-11 veterans are more comfortable accessing treatment in the way that treatmentworksforvets.org provides it, or at least accessing information. Um, we're, we're more used to post 9-11 vets are more used to. Um, you know, text-based uh, interventions and uh, app-based interventions like Objective Zero or, or things like that. And so it, it really does look uh, very appealing. How has the reception been so far since you've uh, launched the website? Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. And, and I agree with the um, failed notion from one of my favorite uh, baseball movies of all time, If You Build It, They Will Come. And so we, we need to figure out a different way. And, and so that was a clear motivation behind the approach we took with Treatment Works for Vets. We engage in the soft launch of the website um, and are now uh, engaging in the formal, if you will, hard launch of the website with Veterans Day. During the soft launch of the website, where we didn't do much promotion, we just um, developed the website um, as an initial um, test and had an opportunity to get some initial reaction. And so far, the reaction's been um, very, very positive. We've had enthusiastic responses from um, veterans in, in the community, as well as from mental health providers who... Um, very much have identified, I think it's fair to say overwhelmingly have identified with this different type of approach to helping inform and empower veterans and others with information about proven treatments. And for many of the folks who've contacted us to tell us, wow, this is refreshing and very different, um, it was something very new to them as well. And, and in fact, we've had a number of clinicians throughout the country um, within the VA healthcare system, for example, request that we provide them, if possible, with access to many of the animated videos that I mentioned that are in the site depicting veterans with mental health problems and what treatment looks like to play in the waiting rooms of the various VA facilities throughout the country. And so we were really excited to see that type of response so that even individuals who may have not necessarily yet accessed the website when they're in the waiting room, say in primary care or in mental health or in another setting, they would have an opportunity to to see some of this content that that we've been talking about and presented in again a different way than maybe they had been accustomed to in a way that is much more open to conversation, less threatening perhaps. Um, the topic of mental health and mental illness is difficult to talk about. So this use of animation, for example, allows for a more engaging and I think safe way to talk about and have a conversation around mental health and, and mental illness. And so We've been really delighted to see that. Now as we're expanding the launch of the website and really trying to get the word out to the community outside of the VA healthcare system and reach uh, all the providers in the community as well as the veterans and family members and peers and so forth, we're excited to um, to see their reaction as well. But, but thus far, the reaction has been um, very positive for both the the veteran portal of the website, and I know we'll talk more about the portal designed specifically for mental health providers or the provider portal, and are eager to uh, have an opportunity to get some more feedback as we move forward. Yeah, and, and I can see that, right? And I was I was thinking sort of the same thing. It was like, you know, how could uh, how could we share these videos? Um, uh, and, and, and again, uh, providing the information in a in a, in a different way. 
so that, you know, we warm up the car. Again, winter morning here in Colorado, uh, you know, try to warm up the car before we get it on the road and, and sort of help the veteran uh, get used to the idea. But I can, I can see this as a clinician myself. Um, you know, I, I see a veteran for an hour a week, right? Or, you know, at most maybe two hours or if there's an intensive outpatient program, you know, but, but there's, you know, the, the clinician themselves, uh, we, we really only have a certain limited time to interact with a, a veteran or a client, so to speak. Uh, and then they go out and have the rest of their week or, or every other week. And, and I could see using this as, hey, let me send you this link, or hey, check out this website. This is going to get a little bit more in-depth about what we were just talking about, right? And, and some of the things that you have on the website there uh, specifically uh, I can see is depression, insomnia, and substance abuse. Um, and, and even separate from post-traumatic stress disorder, those are three very big, um, from a clinical standpoint, and I know that you recognize it in the clinicians that input this as well, uh, those are three of some of the most uh, significant issues that veterans are struggling with that sort of gets lost in the whole PTSD, TBI conversation. That's very true. Uh, it's so important that we continue to, to focus on PTSD and, um, and post-traumatic stress. But the fact is that, that there are so many veterans that um, suffer from um, other problems as well, sleep problems, insomnia, for example, as you mentioned, depression, substance use, chronic pain, and so forth. And sometimes those conditions are comorbid. They occur along with PTSD. Um, it's, it's not uncommon to have one of those other um, problems as well. Or sometimes they exist on their own. So um, there's a lot of good information out there about PTSD, um, and we're hoping to also provide some important information about some of these other conditions that are um, not uncommon among many veterans, but can also have a very significant impact on their quality of life. Yes, and I, and I, I really appreciate how the, the awareness piece and helping veterans sort of become aware of whether or not this is an issue. Um, uh, some of the things, you have some surveys on the, the site uh, looking at, you know, a veteran or, or even a, a family member who's concerned about a veteran can sort of go through this and answer for the veteran uh, specifically questions about depression, insomnia, and then substance abuse. And, and, uh, and, and I was in the Army for 22 years, and, and sort of the way that the military kind of pegged um, uh, substance use was, uh, do you have more than two to three drinks a week? And so, I mean, it was just a very antiquated way of, um, of asking sort of or, or labeling even somebody that you have a substance use problem. But going through the quiz, it is, it is very appropriate. It's talking about uh, things like, you know, is your drinking getting in the way? Or has your family uh, mentioned your drinking? Or uh, have you thought about stopping drinking in the, or, or using drugs in the last six months? Um, the surveys are, are very good to help a veteran or a family member just sort of be aware that there's a problem. Yeah, thank you for mentioning this, uh, Dwayne, because it's, I think, an important piece. It's um, part of the arc of the, the website. And so uh, just to, to provide listeners with a sense of what this experience involves and how these questionnaires may fit in. So when folks visit the website, they have an opportunity to select which path they wish to go down. So if they want to um, learn about a path to feeling better and improving symptoms of, say, depression, um, that's one path. There's a path for uh, sleeping better if, if insomnia or, or sleep disturbance is the primary issue for them. And then there's also a path to coping better without alcohol or drugs if, um, if use of alcohol or other drugs has been um, a major concern of theirs. And so they have a chance to go down multiple paths if they wish or, or one of these three paths. And, and in so doing, they have an opportunity to learn about um, specific evidence-based treatments that have been proven to be effective, um, including with veterans, for these specific conditions. And then each subsequent step is further immersive. And so they have an opportunity next if they are uh, somewhat interested in learning more about the treatment to then apply it to themselves, to go down a level to their own individual experience and engage in goal setting. Um, so it allows them to uh, identify goals and, and also learn about goals that other veterans with 
these specific conditions have identified as their goals for treatment. And so, or users can also enter a, another goal in if it's not one of the goals that's um, shown on, on the website. And then they have an opportunity to learn about how treatment can help to help them to achieve um, their specific goals. So it's kind of a nice way of applying the treatment and the focus of treatment to what the specific veteran wants to get out of the treatment. They can then print out or have emailed to themselves the goals that they've selected and bring that to their primary care provider or other provider or talk about it with a family member um, after they have a chance to peruse the, the website. But then we also include on the website an optional survey or questionnaire for each of these conditions as a way to help veterans who might be a bit unsure whether or not the problems they're experiencing are really problems of depression or problem of insomnia or problem of substance um, abuse or substance dependence. And so um, with these questionnaires, again, it's interactive. They have an opportunity to go through the questionnaires, and they're each each of the questionnaires included are research-based questionnaires, so they've been proven to be effective for um, helping to detect or screen for these um, conditions. And then they have an opportunity to learn based on their responses whether or not proven treatments like the ones described on the website could be effective for them. Um, so going through that interactive process is a nice way to learn about whether or not their experiences are are those that these kinds of treatments can truly help to improve. Yeah, and, and just going through that, uh, going through each of the steps, and, and again, you know, the veteran uh, or the family member um, at their own pace can, can go, like you said, as, as far down as, as they, they want or don't want. Uh, and I really uh, think these, um, the surveys are even ways to sort of, um, you know, give a temperature check, right? I, I, um, I've worked with veterans um, in, in some of this, uh, some of my work is with uh, justice involved veterans for our local uh, veterans court. Uh, and, uh, and then I also have a grant funded program and some veterans will come into my grant funded program, not sure whether or not there's anything and, and going through the assessments and the initial, there isn't anything really. I mean, it's, they're not, you know, significantly depressed. Maybe they're going through some life stress. But then I, as a clinician, am, is, am able to say, you know what, you know, things are going okay, right? We don't have to go into an intensive, you know, weekly, you know, sessions or anything like that. Uh, and I think that these assessments are a good way to say, you know what, I'm doing better than maybe I thought, or uh, in, in some very important cases, I'm doing worse than I actually believe. That's absolutely right. It, it can help folks get a gauge on um on both sides, and it can also help folks who might be interested in just tracking how things are going over time. If they're in treatment or not in treatment, these questionnaires have been shown to be sensitive to change. So um, folks can revisit the website if they wish um, and, and see if maybe things may have changed for them. But it is a nice way to just check your temperature, if you will, and determine um, what possible next steps there might be or if folks are truly seeming to find um, some improvements as they're working to improve some things in their lives. Sure. And then there's something else that I had mentioned a couple of different times um, about uh, family members or those who support veterans who, who aren't clinicians, of course, um, but, but those that just, you know, maybe there's a concern there. Um, you'd mentioned before that specifically you would like family members to access this website as well. Yes, we intentionally developed this website to be an important resource for family members, um, uh, perhaps equally as much as it is for, for veterans and, and formal care providers. And that's because family members are, are so key to helping to uh, engage veterans, and veterans often rely on, on family members as much as anyone in, in our experience. And we very commonly, I personally very commonly have family members reaching out to me saying, hey, how can, uh, what can we do for, for our loved one who is really having a difficult time? We don't really know where to point them. We don't know um, 
if treatment can be helpful to them. We don't know how to have a conversation with them around uh, mental health issues. And so the website could be a really nice way to have that conversation and um, have them learn about various treatments through their experience visiting the website, which family members can point loved ones to. Uh, it, the website also includes as kind of the last step in the arc of the site, as I mentioned, in the user experience, there is um, an opportunity for users, uh, family members, veterans, and so forth to find treatment. There's treatment locator tools included in the website because we felt like it was so important to not only help veterans recognize a need for treatment and then identify effective treatments for those conditions, we thought it's then important to help to guide them to those treatments um, as opposed to just kind of leaving off with, okay, there are treatments that are helpful, but how do you then find those treatments? And so these uh, treatment locator tools that are included in the website, both for finding treatment within the VA healthcare system and outside of VA, um, is a nice set of tools for family members, quite frankly, who are looking for treatment options for their loved one as well as for veterans who themselves may be looking for treatment. So on a number of levels, we are hopeful and have specifically designed the website to be helpful to family members who are looking to help those um, who they, they truly care for and want to see things um, tr you know, improve um, but aren't really sure what steps to take to be able to do that or to talk about that. Right. And, you know, and it's, uh, it's well known that, uh, you know, a veteran or really anyone who is going through a crisis um, is more likely to uh, come in contact with someone who doesn't have uh, clinical training, you know, it, it, not just family members, but also law enforcement or, or emergency room, perhaps, or, or clergy, for example, um, and, and so this, uh, again, this is a good way, I think, of being able to provide information um, to, to those individuals, um, just a, the, an awareness tool and understanding. And, and I agree with you, the family is so critical to, uh, to providing support. Again, another finding from this uh, National Academy study uh, was that, uh, and it was looking at specifically OIF, OEF veterans, uh, post-9-11 veterans, uh, but if they have significant others who support seeking treatment, um, that they're much more likely to engage in that treatment. Uh, and, and so this is getting the family on board. Um, and a lot of times the, the veteran, <laughs> I know it takes my wife telling me a couple of different times uh, before I'll actually, uh, you know, even go to the, the, the medical doctor, for example. Um, and, but, but this is a way to sort of get everybody on board. Yes, it is. That, that's our hope there various folks along the spectrum that this may be useful for. And then another aspect, and we touched on it a, a little bit more, but I'd like to, to get into it now, is that uh, this isn't just for, um, for veterans and their families. That's sort of taking care of that, um, that client-side barriers to treatment uh, as far as stigma and lack of understanding and just not knowing what goes on behind the veil. Uh, but also, you have a portion of the website that's trying to um, trying to impact the other side of that barrier to treatment, where that the clinicians aren't doing something uh, or aren't doing things that are, are evidence based. Uh, so you actually have a um, an evidence based psychotherapy decision making toolkit. So there's a whole portion of the website that's just for mental health providers. Yes, and and these resources are freely available. Uh, to mental health providers and other healthcare providers in uh, the VA healthcare system and in the community. And we're really excited about this side of the website and, and the resources, namely the toolkit that you mentioned. And the focus of the provider side of the website and the evidence-based psychotherapy shared decision-making toolkit is designed to promote engagement of veterans into mental health treatment through a process of shared decision-making that occurs before treatment even begins. And far too often today, the way that the treatment experience typically begins is that a veteran is referred to mental health, or maybe they present on their own to a mental health provider, and then they begin treatment. But there is not the opportunity that we believe is a critically missed opportunity for engaging the veteran before treatment even begins. 
and moving with them and meeting them where they are before you actually embark on the important and often difficult experience of, of psychotherapy or mental health treatment. And so this toolkit presents a brief pre-treatment intervention, if you will, that we developed called the Shared Decision-Making Session. And it is a session, typically one session. It could sometimes be two or three sessions, but most often it's one session that provides a specific structure for engaging veterans in a process of shared decision-making. This could be used with non-veterans as well, quite frankly, where there's also such a need. But where you're working with the patient to provide them with education about various treatment options um, through a process that's often used in oncology settings, for example, um, and other specialty treatment settings, but is typically missed in mental health treatment and mental health care settings. But it goes well beyond just providing information for increasing informed choice, for allowing veterans to then make a decision um, with their health care provider, but not truly only by their health care provider about which treatment might be most appropriate for them. There's also an important motivational enhancement component to this pretreatment intervention um, and other steps to this process that is designed to engage the veteran in a very warm and interpersonally engaging um, experience that involves information but also increased motivation to participate in the treatment process so that by the end of that session, the individual will hopefully not only feel more empowered to embark on the treatment process, but also feel much more hopeful and, and motivated to begin treatment. And we think this is especially important with veterans, and we're really excited. I'm happy to talk more about the specifics of it, too, but we're truly excited about um, developing this pretreatment approach, which is being implemented, I should say, um, in, in healthcare facilities throughout the VA uh, healthcare system, but we're also hopeful that this will be um, a really nice resource for, resource for implementing in um, practice settings and facilities outside of VA. Right, and, and, and as you had mentioned, I think I said in the very beginning, I mean, this is totally open, right? This hasn't, uh, in all the time that I was on the website, it didn't ask me to register, it didn't ask me to log in, uh, and even this provider portion, um, it's separate from what the from the veterans portal, but a veteran who's poking around the website can actually go in here and and dive deep into this. There's everything is out front. It's all laid out on the table, um, and that's to be able to. I assume it was designed to be able to make this accessible to anyone and everyone. That's absolutely true, um, and and was very much our intention. This is a set of uh, publicly available um, resources that folks are welcome to um, visit, and even the toolkit can be downloaded to be used separately and outside of the website um, by anyone who is interested in, in doing so. And there, the, the toolkit itself is a rich set of resources for describing the, the, the different steps, the six steps of this um, shared decision-making session. And then there are a variety of, um, of tools, including uh, decision support tools for clinicians and for, um, for patients um, for then engaging in the delivery of, of this shared decision-making session. All of that is available to anyone who wishes to access them, uh, download them, use them, copy them, print them um, as they wish. And, and just looking through this, and, and it, you, you had mentioned it both on the uh, veteran side uh, or the veteran portal, and then now on the provider side, um, it very much seems like an iceberg, right? What you see in the very beginning, um, it's like, okay, you know, there's something there. But as I drill down to, to each of these uh, six key steps, and I mean, there is a lot more underneath. I mean, this is a very robust um, you know, not, not, not widely. I mean, it is narrowly focused on, on veteran mental health, um, but there is a lot of depth to the information here. There is. We, um, we try to provide um, a rich uh, set of information, but information that had real applied value. So we, we provide a number of worksheets and actually really 
user-friendly tools for both clinicians and for patients as they engage in each of the six steps of the shared decision-making session, which are, for, for listeners who may be interested, connect, motivate, educate, explore, set goals, and choose. And within each step, there are um, resources available, including a shared decision-making session provider checklist that actually even includes dialogue for clinicians, script, if you will, for clinicians to implement each of the steps, and then um, various worksheets to uh, facilitate the um, implementation of, of each of the steps. And there are many other resources which we can um, also talk about. Our users can take a look at on the website for engaging veterans in an ongoing way for those that do make the decision to participate in an evidence-based psychotherapy or even other mental health treatment for that matter. This isn't only focused on evidence-based psychotherapies. The shared decision-making session and other resources for uh, enhancing ongoing engagement for those that do choose to embark on treatment are very much um, appropriate for various uh, types of treatments. So they generalize across the board. You know, and I can see that there uh, there definitely is the, um, you know, trying to give someone as much or as little, as much as they want or as little as they feel like they need um, to, to have the information there. Uh, and, and I really just sort of the way that you've laid it out or the way that the website lays it out as far as moving towards um, choosing what's best for the veteran. Again, uh, with my conversation with Dr. McLean a couple weeks ago, she said with prolonged exposure is sometimes clinicians will try to use prolonged exposure with a veteran that, you know, it's not appropriate for. Maybe PTSD isn't the primary concern. Uh, and so being able to use the right tool for the right situation um, and this is showing the, the veteran, you know, the clinician on their side working with the veteran to decide what's going to be most effective. That's absolutely true. And I think this is a really important point to underscore, Dwayne, is that um, not all veterans are ready for, if you will, um, specific treatments like prolonged exposure. And beginning treatment like prolonged exposure or other evidence-based psychological treatment with those individuals is not likely, if they're not ready, not likely to yield significant gain. And there's been a lot, uh, a number of studies that have shown that um, patients, particularly those with PTSD, often um, drop out of treatment prematurely, perhaps because they were maybe not ready or fully engaged or prepared for the treatment process before they begin. And so this process of shared decision-making is really designed to help prepare the veteran, engage them so that we engage in appropriate treatment matching. So you, you identify the appropriate treatment for the individual before the treatment begins, and then not too late, and then they drop out but also for preparing them so that by the time they do start, whatever treatment that they do begin, they're most likely to get the most out of that treatment. What we've done, because we believe that this area of what we refer to as treatment readiness is such a critical area that I think is bound for explosion in the future um, within the mental health care and specifically mental health research communities, Um, we developed an an approach that's um, included in the appendix of the toolkit for increasing treatment readiness. And there are a variety of skills that are included in this pre-treatment intervention for, for in, increasing treatment readiness, which is designed for a subset of veterans who may not be ready to fully engage in an evidence-based psychotherapy. So um, this, this intervention, this approach for increasing treat, pre-treatment, um, for increasing treatment readiness um, involve a number of preparatory skills that typically would span across maybe um, uh, two to four sessions, it's, it's intended to be very brief, but it's designed to shore up some really key psychological skills that have evidence to support them, and we comb through the literature to identify those where we think there's the most promise and utility for veterans, so that then when the veteran actually embarks in the treatment process, they have a core set of, of psychological skills that would allow them to fully engage in treatment and not drop out prematurely. Now, this is not necessary for all veterans, of course, but for those veterans who we feel like some initial preparatory work would be beneficial, we've provided this um, approach, and then there are 
specific um, provider tools, including scripts and also patient handouts for implementing each of those preparatory skills. And uh, so this is where uh, this is maybe where some of the magic happens. I hadn't seen that intervention um, or, or that process to to generate treatment readiness. Um, but uh, would it be is that designed to just be um, clinician to veteran one on one, or can that be delivered, say, in a group setting? Uh, excellent questions, Wade. And we, we do address this in the toolkit, um, both for the the shared the shared decision making session. Um, as well as the the treatment readiness uh, intervention, um, so both of them can be delivered in a group setting. Um, certainly, shared decision making is often particularly effective when delivered one on one, but it can be delivered effectively in a group setting so long as that shared component doesn't get missed and we talk about this and address this in the toolkit so that shared decision making suggests that there's engagement, discussion, consideration that occurs interactively between the patient and the provider. Sometimes in a group setting it can be more one-directional where the group leader is providing information to the members of the group. Um, but so long as it doesn't occur in that fashion and we talk about how a group leader might do this in a bi-directional way, uh, it can be appropriate for delivering in a, in a group setting. For the, the treatment readiness intervention, um, similarly, we want to make sure that the skills are individualized to the, the members of, uh, who are receiving them, to the veterans who are receiving them. So while in most cases we anticipate that the skills would be taught one-on-one, -on -one, um, certainly there are situations where as long as the clinician is being mindful and individualizing the experience to each members of the group where the skills could potentially be taught to the the members of the the group um, and these are pretty powerful skills that can be implemented in a pretty short period of time um, but we try to strike a balance to provide some structure but not be too structured because we don't believe it's it's helpful to take things off the shelf and just apply them um, to veterans without considering what the veteran needs. So we present a set of skills and then we encourage providers and address this through clinical guidance included in the toolkit to identify those skills that might be most useful or appropriate or of interest to the veteran to learn. And so that's another thing to consider is that um, the individualization of the selection of skills is important as well. Uh, and some individuals, for example, may have already mastered skills designed to reduce physiological arousal, so maybe they've learned uh, deep breathing or meditative breathing, um, for example, or maybe they've learned progressive muscle relaxation, but they're, where they're really challenged is in terms of their cognitive coping capacity, and, and that's also addressed in this treatment readiness intervention. So we you know, would want to make sure that the skills that are being selected are addressing the skill needs of, of each, each individual. But with, with those caveats aside, um, there certainly could be opportunities for um, implementing these, uh, these skills in, in a group setting and um, with many individuals it might occur in an individual setting. Right, and, uh, and and I'm just um, as I'm hearing you and, and focusing, uh, there's different use cases. And, and you mentioned it earlier about how some providers are saying, "Hey, can we use these videos in a different way than you intended?" Um, but as I'm hearing you, um, I mentioned earlier I work with justice-involved veterans in our veterans court. And when veterans first come into the veterans court, uh, they may or may not be willing to engage in treatment. They may not be prepared for treatment. Uh, and so to me, and this is literally what I am going to propose to our team, uh, is that we start to try to, as soon as a veteran comes into the program, uh, that we start to do this, uh, the, the treatment readiness process to be able to get them prepared. Um, and and that's, that's just one use case just off the top of my head that I think, and I believe from the, the last four years that I've been working in the veterans court, that it can really help veterans in that in the court ordered setting get much more out of treatment sooner 
And it could also have the added benefit, and this has uh, certainly been borne out from my own clinical experience of increasing um, self-efficacy or confidence on the part of the veteran if, or, or, or non-veteran for that matter, whoever the client or patient may be. So if an individual has an opportunity to learn uh, a pretty powerful skill and derive benefit from that skill pretty quickly, it can really be a powerful moment for them to see, wow, um, that, uh, working with a counselor or a psychologist or other mental health provider might actually really help me, and I actually may have more control over how I feel than I realize. So it provides a nice opportunity from the outset to to gain an early win, if you will, that could help to promote engagement and confidence on the part of the patient. You know, and that's critical, and you had mentioned it earlier as well, is that uh, if a veteran isn't receiving effective treatment, then they'll drop out quickly. Uh, and most times they won't re they'll still need the treatment or or some form of treatment, but they won't re-engage until another crisis happens years perhaps uh, later um, before they decide life has gotten so bad that I can come back. Uh, and so it, this sounds like it can help head that off at the path, um, you know, getting them ready, providing them confidence, but also again specifically for veterans because veterans listen to other veterans and peer support is so great is that you know, that veteran who says, hey, I can really do this, and then they can go to their veteran buddy and say, man, this works, right? This is, this is actually something beneficial. So it can have a, a tertiary effect on sort of uh, getting other veterans to start to at least consider um, treatment before a crisis happens. Yes, absolutely. And, and those are sometimes the most powerful ways to engage veterans in, in care. Yeah, this is uh, this is some great stuff, and uh, and again, I think we could probably talk all day about this. Um, and and definitely, there is much more to the website. I'm just like I said, it's it's an iceberg. There is so much more to this website um, than first meets the eye, and so definitely recommend that uh, listeners um, will will check out the website and show. Uh, it's at treatmentworksforvets.org. Now, uh, Brad, is, uh, is there some way, say, somebody wanted to reach out to you or, or clinicians that wanted to reach out to you, is there any way that they could uh, contact you or, or your organization? Uh, sure. Folks are, are welcome to um, uh, reach out to me directly if, if they wish. My uh, email address is uh, bcarlin, B-K-A-R-L-I-N, at E-D-C, Edward David Charlie, uh, org O-R-G. Um, and, uh, of course, please feel free to check out uh, treatmentworksforvets.org and provide any uh, comments or feedback. We're actually very um, interested in getting some feedback as this is now being uh, fully launched. We're also looking to expand the focus of Treatment Works for Vets um, beyond the initial focus on uh, depression, insomnia, and substance use problems that we've mentioned to also include a focus on some other uh, issues like relationship distress or relationship challenges and uh, and chronic pain. So we're hopeful to be able to expand this even further in the near future. Yes, this is uh, this is an amazing resource, uh, and and often with so many resources, we say, you know, how have we not heard about this before? This is relatively new, uh, and hopefully, it won't be obscure for very long. So, thanks for coming on the show, Brad. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Glenn. You're listening to Headspace and Timing on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. If you couldn't tell by our conversation, I was a bit taken aback by the depth of the Treatment Works for Vets website. At first glance, it's easy to access and you can start poking around. But looking at it a bit more, it has a lot of great information. It's obvious that a lot of work has gone into the development of the website, not just by the developers, but by the clinicians and the veterans involved as well. This is a very low-threat way to get an understanding about what's going on inside of us. The screening tools for insomnia, depression, and substance use is very beneficial. I mentioned the study a couple times in this episode, but it's a critical one. When the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine surveyed 4,000 post-9-11 veterans, half of them screened positive for some sort of mental health condition. Half of those that screened positive didn't even realize they had a problem. The awareness wasn't there. This website can help develop that awareness for service members, veterans, and those that care for them. It's one of the biggest challenges of military transition today. We're talking about mental health as if it's an afterthought rather than the foundation on which a successful post-military life is built. 
Websites like treatmentworksforvets.org is trying to use technology to help veterans understand how their military service impacted them and how treatment can help them overcome the challenges they're experiencing. Make sure to join us next week when I have a very special guest on the show, Dr. Shira Mogwin. Dr. Mogwin is one of the researchers that has provided us with a greater understanding of the concept of moral injury. Along with her colleagues, she was instrumental in the development of the concept of and treatments for moral injury. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. And until then, stay focused and be well. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at Dwayne at VeteranMentalHealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com or ChangeYourPOV.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. The show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds. The show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neophyte in the Woods. The show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday. And Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com. Check it out, because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-creating enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Often in Tennessee, embrace my ability
Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.